Good morning. Peace be with you. <laughs> Thank you. You notice that. There will be no uh, Facebook live streaming this morning because uh, your pastor, his uh, tech guy isn't here, and I can't get it to not be upside down. So that is the, the way that it is. Um, so another reason to come to church uh, so that you can participate together. Have you ever said, look at what you have done? Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Look at what you've done. Have you? Oh, you laugh. You laugh, but you have, right? Both ways. Have you ever had the accuser say to you, look at what you've done? I want to turn that around today. Because we have a liturgy that is so rich and so full, and the reason that we do what we do is because we come in here and the accuser is lying to us and saying, look at what you have done. You're disqualified. And from the very start, we confess. We repent. And then we hear the sweet words that for his sake, God forgives you all of your sins. And so we turn that around Look at what you've done. Him pointing to you. Look at what you've done. To you pointing, yeah, look what he did. Look what he's done. Amen? Let's get started, Louis.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment for the sake of Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. 
Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ. Let us pray. Oh God, your divine wisdom sets in order all things in heaven and on earth. Put away from us all things hurtful and give us those things that are beneficial for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verses 10 through 20, and can be found on page 1040 in the Pew Bible. Uh, the author of Ecclesiastes is Solomon, and here he imparts his wisdom on what true wealth is in our lives. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 20. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I've seen grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. As everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This too is grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. 
And what do they gain since they toil for the win? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions, the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. We'll read Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16 responsibly, which is printed on page 6 in your bulletin. This psalm asks, how do we please God when we are surrounded by an impure world? Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. <clears throat> I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. The next reading is taken from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and can be found on page 1865 in the Pew Bible. This section is titled, The Sabbath Rests for the People of God. Our Sabbath rests in Christ begins when we trust him to complete his perfect works or our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 4, 1 through 16. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have obeyed, or no, now we who have believed enter the rest just as God has said. So I declare on oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, 
just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing souls and spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Mark from the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from Mark chapter 10, verses 23 through 31. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1571. Mark 10, 23 through 31. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Well, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and he said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because nothing good comes from any other source, Let's together see and think and meditate on what we have done. And then after that, let us think, meditate, 
and rejoice in what he has done for you and for me. You know, from time to time, uh, not all the time, but from time to time, I wonder what the rest of the world must think of the United States. Particularly as, um, in my mind's eye, I see a people in a faraway land gathering together for some social time around one TV, satellite linked up. And as the members of this community gather together on the only television, what must they think of the United States? What do they think of houses with more than one room? What do they think of a woman or a man who can't decide what to wear while their entire wardrobe is on their backs? It's what they're wearing at the time. What must they think? What do they think of people trying to decide, trying to decide where shall we have lunch? All the while, maybe they wonder where or if they're going to have lunch. Even the poorest of the poor in these United States would be judged wealthy by citizens in most all other nations of the world. And that is why the words of Jesus today in the gospel should terrify every American. His words, of course, where it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Ouch. Now Jesus' words are even more startling when we study the role of wealthy people in the first century Israel. There is a special reverence, it would seem, that most Westerners hold for people who take a voluntary vow of poverty in order to serve others. We do admire a doctor that gives up a, uh, a practice, a, a successful practice in the suburbs and goes in to minister to the poor in the inner city. What's not to admire there? We admire the person who leaves a good job in the United States in order to feed the poor in some third world country. Why wouldn't you look at that with admiration? Most of us admire the work of Mother Teresa that she did among the poor in India. And most of us in this church have heard the words of Jesus concerning wealth so often that we've gotten used to the idea that the poor have a special place, a special place in God's heart. But this was not. This was not so in first century Israel. While biblical culture certainly frowned on people who had massed their wealth in an illegal way, those who achieved their wealth through diligence and hard work were considered to be favored of God. And that was the scene that we are privy to today with the disciples. 
The honored places in heaven were reserved, or so they thought, for people who obtained wealth in legal ways and used it to support the church and the community. And the disciples would have thought that the honest rich are the most likely to enter heaven, for they are the favored ones of God. Thus the teachings of Jesus that compare the poor and the wealthy had to be mind-blowing, startling for the people of Israel of that day. Jesus must have given the disciples a headache when he pointed to the widow and the widow's might in Luke 21, 3 through 4, where he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more than all of them. Do you remember that? For he said, They all contributed out of their abundance. But she, in her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. We can see the confusion of the disciples in their response to Jesus in today's gospel. Do you remember that? They said, then who can be saved? If not the rich man who is God's favored, if the odds of the rich are the same as the odds of that camel, then who can get into the kingdom of God? If the honest rich can't get in, then none of us have a chance. None of us have a chance. That is the message. That is the message of the law in today's gospel. What have you done? None of us have a chance. And the teaching in today's gospel is not that it is bad to be rich. Oh, no. But that no one is able to enter the kingdom of God with their own resources. Can I get an amen? When Jesus said that the most respected members of the culture could not earn their way into God's kingdom, he was saying that none of us, rich or poor, can earn a place in God's kingdom. And all of us, all of us are as likely to enter God's kingdom as a camel is likely to pass through the eye of a needle. And no, I'm not talking about some mythical like door that you came into the city at night, you know, didn't exist, okay? He's literally talking about a needle, literally talking about a camel. That's how much a person has, how much luck, well, can't be done. And the Holy Spirit inspired David to write this in Psalm 51, 5. David writes, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. What have you done? What have I done? And Paul writes in Romans 5, 12, Death spread to all men because all sinned. What have I done? Paul listed a few of those sins in Galatians. Not going to list them now. And then he concluded in 5.21, Galatians 5.21, I warn you, he said, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What have I done? What have you done? And all of these verses reveal our sinful nature to us. We are sinners from conception. 
And the only thing that happens as we grow and mature is that our sins get more imaginative, sneakier, and more destructive. And with man, it is truly impossible to inherit the kingdom of God, period, full stop. Now, while it may be impossible with man, it is possible with God. Jesus said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And God is almighty, and he loves you dearly. He loves you so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 is so very important. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We do not have the resources to enter the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God has what it takes to enter us. We do not pray for us to come to God's kingdom. Instead, we pray to our Father in heaven, saying, Thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God comes to us in the form of the God-man, Christ Jesus. And in Jesus Christ, God took on a human nature and he humbled himself to live with us under the law. And in his humility, he kept the law for us. And he even humbled himself to death on the cross. And his death, the death of a perfect, holy, and innocent man, that did for us what it is impossible for us to do for ourselves. He made it possible for the kingdom of God to be in us and for us to be in the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit provides the finishing touches for God's work in us. How does he do that? Well, he makes the impossible possible. The Holy Spirit gives us God's word. The Holy Spirit gives us that word in many ways. We read it ourselves in our private time with God. We share it among others as we meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ to learn and study the word. And we hear it. We hear it read in divine service. And we also taste it as Christ gives us his true body and blood in, with, and under the bread and the wine of the holy meal. And the Holy Spirit generously uses all of these ways to feed our spirits with God's word. And through the word, he creates and sustains faith in us. And he gives us the faith that believes that the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ takes away all of our sins. Did you hear that? Look what he did. 
Look what he did. And through that faith, the camel passes through the needle's eye. That is, great news that the rich and the poor alike enter the kingdom of God. And today's gospel follows last week's gospel. That is to say, last week we heard how a rich young ruler went away sorrowful because gold was his God, little g, God. And this week, Jesus used the difficulty that this young man had to teach us that none of us, neither rich nor poor, can enter the kingdom of God on our own. Instead, the kingdom of God comes to us because nothing is impossible with God. Whether we are rich or whether we are poor, the Holy Spirit's gift of faith in the work of Jesus Christ puts the kingdom of God in us and us in the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. If I could have a world and all it owns A thousand kingdoms, a thousand thrones If all the earth were mine to hold With wealth my only goal I'd spend my gold on selfish things Without the love that your life brings Just a little bit
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life of the last. Let us pray. Dear Lord, creator of the universe and everything in it, we gather today to praise your holy trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one almighty God. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the United States of America and leading the founders of our nation to create a form of government that values individual freedoms and personal responsibility for its citizenry. Thank you for choosing our first leaders who valued service to our citizens in our fledgling nation, ensuring opportunity, safety, and national security above personal wealth and power, and who framed the character of their service upon your precepts for peaceful living. You know, Lord Almighty, that we have fallen far away from the nation you have protected through many trying times, including world wars, civil war, disease, and attacks from terrorists upon our citizens. We now have a government of career politicians rather than volunteer citizen servants, and we can easily observe the lies, greed, and corruption that drives their involvement in our daily lives. As we enabled our national culture to change into one of self-righteousness and self-centeredness, we have alienated our neighbors even more hated those around us, and due to our relative wealth and prosperity, we've turned our backs upon you, just as the Israelites did 2,700 years ago. Holy Father, we know you love us and are faithful to us and slow to anger, but we also know from past prophets that you do become angry with those who continually try your patience and that your discipline is terrible. Please, Heavenly Father, spare us from your wrath for our disobedience, and we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in correcting the error of our ways. Holy Father, Almighty God, please help and protect our children, and help us as parents, grandparents, teachers, and friends to lead, teach, and show our children how to manage anger, show compassion, love one another, and turn from evil influences in their lives. Help us to teach young people to recognize lies, deceit, and propaganda 
that leads to divisiveness in social media, news media, and school classrooms. Help us as adults model the best behavior in our relationships and teach your Ten Commandments for peaceful and meaningful lives. Holy Spirit, we need your help to not look for every opportunity to become offended and angry with our neighbors. We seem to seek discord and find fault with everyone around us and then hold on to our anger forever, enjoying our misery. Please help us to let go of the trespasses against us and replace our anger with a desire to forgive others. We can't do this on our own, so we plead for your help. We pray for your church on earth, its leaders, ministers, missionaries, and congregations of believers. Please, Holy Spirit, keep us true in our faith in Jesus our Savior. Please continue to be with our small congregation of believers and family in Jesus Christ here at Reformation Lutheran Church. We know that several of our members and their families face difficult medical conditions, depression, despair, and other physical and mental challenges. They worry and are stressed by uncertainty, and we are too. We know Holy Scripture, your word to us, and we have been taught and know our true future with you. But our memories are short and our faith fragile at times, especially when Satan whispers into our minds. Through Jesus' sacrifice, you have already forgiven us for our doubts, but you know that they remain real to us. Holy Spirit, please speak loudly into our hearts, yell if necessary, and calm our anxiety and worries. Send friends to carry your word of comfort when we struggle. We really desire peaceful hearts, and only you, Holy Spirit, can provide this blessing. We pray for the safety of those who travel and for those who serve to protect us, police, firefighters, law enforcement officers, and military members. Please shield them all from harm. We thank you for all the beauty that surrounds us. Please focus our eyes on your perfect creation and help us to see the good around us rather than focusing on the bad. Thank you, Lord, for the institution of holy matrimony. Witnessing marriage between two people reflects the love Jesus has for those he has called and gives us hope for our future, a hope we sorely need in dark times. Thank you especially and always for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Please pray with me. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, 
Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, prayed our Lord Jesus, took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. You come up, know that your sins have been paid for. You have been redeemed. You have been rescued from sin, death, and the devil because of what he has done, even though you did what you have done. Therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. The ushers will bring you forward. Come, the table is prepared.
Israel thought was the way things were. He takes what we think is the way things are and he just dumps it upside down. And he says, I am the way, the truth and the light. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's just that simple. We preach Christ and him crucified for a reason because it's just that simple. And may that comfort you. I like simple things. I don't really like cell phones that don't work. Boy, I was sinning too, sitting in this church. It wouldn't work. If you could hear what I was thinking, Lord have mercy. But God is good. And I needed to hear that. What have you done? Oh, you don't want to know, but thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Your grace abounds even when my sin abounds. Hope that makes you feel kind of happy too. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Play us out, Louis. Dear, so sweet to try.
trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus Just to trust His cleansing Trust Him more. 